it was Palm Sunday weekend in a Target parking lot. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And I had a full-blown panic attack in the car. And that's when I knew, okay, this is absolutely the way you should go. Because if this is spearing you to go, oh my God, this could be something completely different than the life I have. And you understand the weight of that. You understand the risk you're taking, but you're willing to do it anyway. Maybe you've never done it before, but that probably means that it will work. Hello, and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. We are going to talk about, well, the title says it all, Can Risk Lead to Peace? We are talking about taking those risks because we've been swimming against the current and everything feels hard and not good and not the way we want it to. <laughs> So what does it take to get out of that place? Do we take that risk that is terrifying? And is it worth it to actually do so? I am here with content coach Lisa Apolinski. And I want, she's taken quite a few risks and gone through the gamut. So I'm excited to be here with her today. And I am right in one of these places. So this is the perfect conversation for me to be having. Of course, I help coach people through this stuff. But man, sometimes you forget when it's been a while and you haven't been in it, you forget like how crazy it is. Lisa, can you tell us a bit more about what is a content coach? What do you do? Give us the goods. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is such an important topic. And we all go through this, this panic and wondering what risks we should take and why. So I'm Lisa Apolinski. I am a content coach and I work with small to medium sized businesses to help them use their content as their business development tool so they can stop doing dumbass marketing activities <laughs> that have no return on investment and they can take back the power of their own story. So I really help and coach people, these business owners, so that they can create content on their own. And as we were talking earlier, content is so key and being able to do it on your own and having your brand and your story embedded in your content is really what will make you stand apart from that sea of sameness. And we don't want that me too strategy at all. 
Right, right. I'm curious. You know, we talk about content strategy, taking taking back your story. What is that? What does that actually mean? Like, I know we've, we're looking at, we've got Instagram and we've got TikTok. We've got all this content. People are doing reels. People are putting out posts. And then you see like ads and like, maybe what's, what's the difference? Give us a little more insight there. Absolutely. So when I talk about content strategy, I talk it in two different veins. And this is how I coach my clients. Number one, what is your brand story? What is your why? Why do you exist? How do you help your audience solve problems, moving them into that future state of success? It's not about features and benefits, because let's face it, we all kind of overlap and do a lot of similar stuff. But what right. do you do that is better, faster, cheaper, smarter, more complete? And incorporating that into your story and helping your audience be inspired to work with you. Because that's what stories are. They create inspiration for going from where we are now to where we want to go. And the other element that I add in that is, are you being strategic? Are you writing content for the sake of writing content? Or are you creating something that always has value for your audience, whether they become a client in a day or a decade? <laughs> and are you sharing that content where your prospects live and are open to that kind of messaging? They're seeking out that kind of information and messaging. And so they're much more likely to want to interact with you, to be able to engage with your content, to have a conversation. And that builds trust. People buy from people they know and trust. Mm. And back in the day, you would see them face to face. We don't have a lot of that anymore. So you have to build trust across the lens, through the internet, through digital means. So how are you doing that with your content? Those are the two things that I look at. Got it. And I love that you bring in the aspect of why, because you're right. There's a million people out there doing the same similar things. And when I know why somebody does something, I'm either more attracted to them or I'm repelled by them. But no matter what, there's an emotional response. And I know for me, I, of course, want the clients that feel a strong, positive emotional response to come work with me. And, and you know, I at the end of this podcast, I tell you what my why is. So tell yeah. us what your why is. Sure. So I started in Fortune 500s. I built my agency that I've had for 11 and a half years, mainly with Fortune 500s. But over the last year, and this is absolutely a product of post-pandemic world, I want to say apocalypse, but we'll just call it the world, <laughs> that there were so many small to medium-sized business owners like me who were struggling with getting over these constant obstacles, just obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Just every day was this swimming against the current, trying to get somewhere and getting absolutely nowhere. And I saw that if I could teach them what I do, how I use content, 
and how I use it to create that connection and gain that trust and that I actually attract right fit clients to me versus trying to go out and seek them that they could be empowered to. And it has been phenomenal. One of the things too, I love about what you're talking about is I know a lot of people that are small business owners and they've right. hired these marketing firms and they're just not getting any traction. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking. They're spending so much money and not getting the results. Yeah. So this idea of taking a risk and leading to peace, potentially leading to peace. Now, I know for me, when I'm struggling with stuff, it, you know, we, that idea of swimming against the current is so apropos. And I think so many people in their jobs, it just feels like you're there day in and day out. Everything's a fight, everything's a battle. And can you tell me a little bit about when you were, before you went off on your own, tell yeah. me a little bit what, <laughs> what that feeling of swimming against the current was like for you, because I think it's something that so many people can really relate to. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I came from fortune 500s. I had an absolutely great job. I traveled, I lived in San Diego. It was just lovely beauty. And I also was doing side work, vendor work with former uh, vendors that I worked with to write content for them which was great, but it was this constant battle of where am I going to be and why does everything feel so tight? And it be was because I was playing too small of a game. I didn't realize it at the time, but I had constrained myself into this box for no other reason than I thought I belonged in that box. And the moment that I decided to go into business for myself. And I can actually give you that aha moment. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, perfect. I will, I will hold that story then. I knew I needed to do it. And I was two months in, it was, it was Palm Sunday weekend in a Target parking lot. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And I had a full blown panic attack in the car. And that's when I knew, okay, this is absolutely the way you should go. Because if this is spearing you to go, oh my God, this could be something completely different than the life I have. And, and you understand the, the weight of that. You understand the risk you're taking, but you're willing to do it anyway. Maybe you've never done it before, but that probably means that it will work. So that Monday I went in and had my conversation with my boss about leaving the organization. And I never looked back. What were some of the signs that you were swimming against the current, that you were not doing the right thing for you, right? The big be the wolf thing is doing what's yes. doing right for you. What were some of those signs? I worked seven days a week. Mm. I worked about 80 hours a week and I'm, and I'm not kidding. I worked 60 to 65 with the current company and then I also had my side gig and I also worked for my church. <laughs> so I was constantly working and it just felt like every day I was on this treadmill of running and I wasn't sure where I was going. And it was this constant feeling of 
you know, my 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 life is getting so small. My life is getting so small. I'm living such a small life. I'm playing such a small game and I need to break out of this. And once I even thought about a new possibility, it's like all this room opened up for me and my community showed up, which was extraordinary. Just opportunities started presenting themselves that I don't think I would have seen staying inside my little box in my small universe. And that let me know that this is the risk I needed to take. It's interesting. You, you talk about that idea of being in the small box. It, mm -hmm. and, you know, from the outside looking in, it sounds like a pretty big box. It sounds like you're working for Fortune 500 companies. It sounds like you've got some side gigs. You're working for your church. You're doing all these massive things. So how did, what did, what did it tell you or let me reword this. How did you know it was you were playing small when you've got all this on paper, really great stuff going on? Yeah, it, it really was. I knew I wanted to do other things and I felt like there was a ceiling above me that I kept hitting my head against. And what I didn't realize is I needed to just step outside and the ceiling would be gone. Um, the analogy that I can come up with, I used to horseback ride when I was younger and we were trying to put a saddle on a horse, <laughs> started bucking and it's hitting his head on the ceiling over and over. And we just got out of the way. We couldn't help it until it figured out, oh, this is wrong and I should try something else. And it, I kept hitting my head against that ceiling, not realizing, oh, I can actually stop for a second and then step outside the barn and then I could buck all I want or run like hell, I've got the room. It really allows you to see that, but you have to stop in the moment and yeah. really think, okay, why do I, I keep feeling like there's something in my way? And that could be that maybe it's not a right fit for the job you have. Maybe it's the company, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's, that you do want to go out on your own. Maybe it's that I live in the world of multiple right answers. So maybe it's you stay at your job, plus you do something else, whatever right. that is for you. But once it starts to align and you're really going with all cylinders, you'll feel it and you'll be like, yes, this is, this is the path I'm supposed to be on. And I really do believe that there will be opportunities and signs that are big arrows pointing you that direction. You just have to see them and follow them. The, the key to, for me is to take action, take one action and see where it leads you. How oh, interesting, one action, right? I always say, what's the next best step I can take with what I have right now? And that's a big, yes. what I have right now. So mm -hmm. often I think like, oh, I have to go to school, I have to go back and get my master's, I have to do this, if I want something different, I have to do all these things that society or whomever has said is how we get the things that we want. And yes. a lot of times those things are not in reach, it's not practical, it's not real, it's something that you can actually do. So it's that place of what is it that I can do with what I have right now? Right. Absolutely, and you know, 
when you look at what other people have done, those are great guidelines, but what works for you? Again, live in the world of multiple right answers. Yeah. You may have to forge your own path and be a category of one, but that means that you get to write all the rules because you're the one forging this path. And I love that. I love being able to do that, to dictate how things are gonna go and modify it as I go along. And I think should or have to, that's a really dangerous word to be using in your vocabulary because it, it kills all possibility. And right. you can't take risk without seeing the possibility of what is beyond this this wall that you might have self-imposed. Well, and, and it's so true. When we are in our shoulds and our have tos, there's fear involved. Yes. And when you are in a place of fear, the, it's a contracting emotion. You yes. cannot create something new when you feel contracted. It is it is literally impossible. Like, of course, if you, you, those of you that know me well know I'm going to talk about the subconscious mind at some point, but it is literally mm -hmm. impossible for your mind to expand outside of what it already knows if you are in a contracting emotion or contracts yes. emotion. And I loved that you made a reference earlier when you talked about being small, that it felt like you were very constricted. And you, you use these metaphors of hitting the head on the ceiling, the, the, the bucking horse hitting their head because they're in this small place. And as soon as they get out, they have access to something bigger, something yes. different. And our subconscious mind, you all, it's just trying to keep us safe. So it's going to be it's going to be that voice in your head that says, no, what will people think? No. What if you can't make enough money? What if like all of this? Because it knows it's trying to keep you alive. It's the main right. purpose is to preserve the body. And so everything you've done up until mm -hmm. now has kept you alive. That's right. Therefore, anything new may or may not keep you alive. So your subconscious mind is going to do everything it can to get in your way and say, no, 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 don't do that. You don't want to do that. It's not safe. And that's, that's the unknown, but you cannot create something different than what you've already done unless you break into the unknown. And that means stepping through the threshold of those contractive emotion panic attack. I love also that you said you had a panic attack and you knew that it was the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when you step out into the unknown, it's not like, okay, that's the only direction you can go. You can step back, you can step sideways, you can step diagonally. There's so many possibilities. So don't feel like if I step out and do this, it doesn't work. Well, that's the end of me. You right. only fail when you stop trying. Yeah. Try something else, pivot, step away, add something to it, see what your community shows up and it supports you and brings to the table and see what that new possibility could be. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in my own business meltdown that I'm having right now, it was very interesting today as I was sitting there contemplating 
So the strangest thing is it feels like everything is crumbling and you know there's opportunity when everything crumbles so that for sure i know this but there is no part of me that wants to give up no part of me that wants to throw in the towel and i think that is such a powerful thing that i i am not even though a lot of things aren't working right now i'm not a failure because i'm still getting up and I'm still going forward and you can't fail if you're still trying. Exactly. 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 Well, I think before we dive into a little bit deeper on your personal story, let's tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, work with you, the things that you have to offer. <laughs> Absolutely. If you visit my website, threedogright.com, and it's on the screen, you can contact me at Lisa at Three Dog Right. I always offer a free 20 minute consult call where we can get clarity around anything that you want. Marketing, vendors, staffing, content, strategy, you name it, I can talk to you about it. And it's no cost, no selling, no kidding. I'm happy to have these conversations. And one of my tenets in my brand is to always impart knowledge. And this is part of it. I want to empower people with knowledge and resources. And if I don't know the answer, there's probably someone in my network who does. And I can always make an introduction. To me, there's no cost to a conversation. And that's the easiest way to, you're basically getting 20 minutes of free coaching in any subject that you want. And that's how I always like to start every interaction with a potential client. I love that. I love that. So open up your browsers, type in three dog, And that's the number three and write with a W W R I T E. And so I really want to know, I want you, I would love for you to share with my audience this conversation that you had with your sister mm -hmm. that led to, it, it planted the seed, if you will. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So it, the year was 2018. I had started my business in 2012 as a side gig, just to be able to bring in extra money. Debts do accumulate and I wanted to get rid of them. And I was in Milan, Italy. And I had just had a 14 hour day <laughs> with my colleagues being berated by my boss, just a lot of things going wrong. And I got back to my hotel room and I immediately picked up the phone and called my sister to complain. <laughs> and she let me complain for a couple of minutes. And then she asked me about my side work and my energy completely shifted. And I was sharing how enjoyable it was and how we were making this progress and we were seeing these results and how happy I was with the side work. And she let me talk about that for a couple of minutes. And then she asked me, if your side work is so good, why isn't that your full-time job? <laughs> and I honestly had never thought about that until that moment. That was my aha moment. And, oh, and from there, and, and again, I was, pedaling against the current thinking I need to stay in this fortune 500 job and, and just move up in the ranks. And that was my mindset only because I wasn't thinking of 
of different possibilities. And someone from the outside, my mentor, pointed out a different path. And within three months, I had resigned from my job. I was full-time into my side business. It was now my full-time gig. It Everything just really steamrolled and it was really transformational. It's so interesting how we as humans, right? We're, we're in it, we're in the jar, in the swimming with the spaghetti sauce, but we can't tell what brand of spaghetti sauce we're, we're in because we can't read the label from right. the inside of the jar. One of my mentors, Chris Howard, uses that metaphor. And it, when somebody says something and you have that moment, you're like, whoa. And it seems so, once you have that moment, it seems so logical. Like you're like, why did I not even think of that? Yeah. And I love going back to what you were saying before, like many different answers to solve a problem or to figure out a way to start swimming with the current. So you were dealing with bosses that weren't great, long hours, all of these things that were not making you happy. And your path out was to make your side gig your full-time gig. And somebody else's path out might be like doing some of the work, kind of work that I do, where we learn how to navigate that work environment with ease and feel right. good at work, even in those crazy environments. And so it's going to be different, whatever it is for each individual person. And so when you went to bed that night, I'm curious, what, because I know when you have an aha moment like that, it sends your brain into overdrive. Do you remember yeah. like how that was? I know that I didn't sleep a lot. I know that I was up, I was taking notes, I was writing things down because I had gotten to the habit that when I had an idea, especially for my side gig at that point, if I had an idea for one of my clients, if I didn't write it down, I would forget it. Mm. <laughs> so I just started documenting everything. And I was up for quite some time doing that. I went to bed very, very late, probably like two, three in the morning. And then I had to get up the next day and be in an eight o'clock meeting. But <laughs> 14-hour day. <laughs> Yeah. And, but I was energized because I knew there was a new possibility. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to go to this and deal with this crap. You know, I was like, okay, there's even the, the possibility of something else that, that gives me choice and having choice really helps to allow you to live in that moment and take it on because you're like, okay, I can do this because if I, if I don't like it or something happens, I can always move over here. And it allows me to really lean all in. And I was very positive when I went to, to work the next day, only because I was like, Ooh, I have an exit strategy. This is brilliant. <laughs> Having a choice makes all the difference. And we always have a choice. Like there's always a choice. We might not like the choices that we have, and also, it's very likely, just as you didn't see the choice until somebody pointed it out to you, there's a lot more choices that are available to you that you're just not aware of. And so I love, this is, a lot of people 
do not like talking about their problems with other people. And I'm not talking about complaining. I'm talking about, hey, this is what's going on. Any ideas? What do you see that I don't see here? And a lot of people feel vulnerable doing that because they're afraid that maybe people will judge them as being wrong or not good enough or not a good business owner or whatever it might be. But when you have different perspectives looking at a problem, then the possibility of you being able to tap into more choices is so much greater. And when you feel like you have a choice, at least a decent choice, mm-hmm. it it energizes you, just as you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's a fear all of us have. The idea that I did something wrong or I made a mistake and I'm going to be judged for that. So I don't want to ask a coach like you, a career empowerment coach, how can I choose differently or what am I not seeing? Where are my blind spots? And if you take morality out of that thought process, it's not good or bad, right or wrong, especially if you live in the world of multiple right answers, it's just (laughs) another way of being Mm -hmm. and having that other information allows you to really powerfully choose something that can transform your entire world. Yeah. One of the things that I do with a lot of my clients is we get over that, that fear of doing it wrong or that fear of being judged really is a big piece of it. And it's a survival instinct because when we were little, we had to belong and we had to make sure our parents loved us and didn't reject us or else we would not have survived. So those fears are so incredibly real. And I I want you all to know it's okay if it's incredibly scary to step through those fears. Now you were in the parking lot, you had a full-blown panic attack and you used that to mean that you were on the right track. Yes, yes, yes. So it it sounds counterintuitive, I know, but two things I realized when I was having that panic attack. First of all, I understood that I was taking a huge risk. If I was like, and just did it, then I wouldn't be fully prepared and it wouldn't, succeed the way that I wanted it to. So that was number one. It allowed me to realize, okay, you you understand that you're choosing something completely different and it could blow up and you're going to choose it anyway. And because I had that panic attack, I also am like, okay, if I want to reduce that anxiety around it, what's the best way to do that? To prepare and to take action. So Mm -hmm. I made sure that I planned like my life depended on it because it did in my mind. And I wanted to use that energy of, oh my God, what am I doing to, okay, I'm prepared. I got this. I did this. I did this. I did this. I talked to these people. I looked at these resources. I have my plan of attack and I'm going to execute. To me, that's the fastest way to not only ensure success, but also to leverage those feelings Like you said, they're part of our DNA to protect us. So leverage that energy to really make sure that you are doing things as strategic as you can, because it helps minimize some of that risk. And it helps you to see where are some of my holes 
that maybe I didn't see before, right? Because again, we all have blind spots. Oh yeah. And yeah, and how we can really fill those holes and be as prepared as possible and understand that things might not go exactly the plan and that's okay because you have the tools to pivot and to right. keep going. And one of the things that I've learned <laughs> for sure is that because I didn't, when I went into business, I just left. <laughs> like, I've been wanting to do this forever, forever, forever. I have the skills, I can do it, except I didn't have all the business skills yet. And so I just took the leap. And the thing that's so powerful about what you're saying is that no matter what, you're still going to have to go back and plug all those holes. doesn't yeah. matter. Some people will leap and have like instant success, but they're sort of flailing around. They don't have the structure underneath to support how tall their building is going to be. You see this all the time with people who get super right. famous or whatever. Right. They don't have that groundwork to be able to hold on to whatever it is that they've they've achieved they have it but it's like it's like a building sitting on top of a pyramid it's like whoa whoa right right one, one bad financial manager comes in and they can topple you and take advantage of everything versus if you had built that foundation a little bit more slowly one step at the time you would be much more able to adjust and pivot without it taking out the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. And in my book, Grow Your Market in a Zombie Apocalypse, one of my first stories that I talk about, I interviewed a friend of mine, Jerry Jackson, a pilot who has been, who's built his own planes for decades. And in three minutes, four minutes, his plane went down, it crashed. And in that four minutes, he learned a whole bunch of stuff. Right. <laughs> and I talk about it in the book when, when crashing a plane, there are things that you can still do so that things are going to happen. Even the best laid plans, there's going to be a pandemic. There's going to be a global right. shutdown. There's going to be a zombie apocalypse. You don't know what's coming and something else is coming. I hate to say it. So yeah. how do we prepare and have these habits in place so that we don't just stay in that panic mode. We go, okay, I realize that something might be amiss. I need to now pull into my resources and my knowledge base and get back to basics, get back to paying attention to my environment, get back to handling the task at hand and not getting distracted, you know, allowing resources and input to come in and to keep looking and searching as my plane is going down so right. that I have the best possibility of landing it and walking away without a scratch, which he did. And the guy who came to rescue him thought, well, plane went down, it was in the mountains, thought he was coming to rescue a body. And there's Jerry walking out of the wreckage over to the truck. And he's like, I haven't had a live person come out of a wreckage like that in decades. Wow. How'd you do it? Yeah. Frightening. Well and one of the things too, I think is so important. We, we tend to get comfortable, right? It's like why we end up in the fortune 500 cut job and just staying there, not thinking that we can go for this thing that's bigger and more appropriate for us. Right. But we get comfortable and we rely on the things that have been working. 
Yes. And one of the most important things, I think, as a business owner, but also as a human, is to continue to grow and expand. Because if you continue to grow and expand, it just means you have more options, you have more choice, you have more possibilities at your fingertips. So if a pandemic comes, you've got stuff in play. One of my previous guests had worked on a business plan for something, for doing an online thing, and he shelved it. But the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, he was like, oh, well, let me just pull this business plan out. And he did that and had great success because yeah. it was already there planned because he was already thinking and exploring how to expand his ideas and whatnot. Now, you, not so long ago, had another one of these moments where you had to, am I going to keep swimming against the current and beating my head against the, the roof of the stable, like the bucking horse, or am I going to venture out of the stable pause? I love that you said that earlier, take a pause mm -hmm. and then yeah. move forward. Tell us what, tell us what happened next. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my I doubled my business during the pandemic because of the tenants that I teach. When I wrote my book on uh, the habits you can use, I put those into play and was able to double my business. And I felt pretty good about myself. And like you said, I think I got a little complacent. And then something else happened during the pandemic and people that I normally work with at Fortune 500s that stay there for five years, 10 years, started shifting around every few months. <laughs> so I'm developing new relationships over and over. And I saw my sales go down. And I thought, what is happening here? And at the same time, small to medium sized business owners were coming to me and saying, I know you normally only work with fortune 500 companies, but would you be willing to work with me? And I love their energy, I love their story, I love their brand, and I wanted to help them. And of course I said, yes. And then I realized I am swimming in a spot because I believe it's my spot. And I haven't looked around to see, hey, there's a lot of fish jumping over there and I could let go of the oar, go downstream and have a lot of success there. And it still was a very frightening moment. I took my full-size digital agency and basically started over. I scrapped everything and said, I'm going to go all in niche within a niche, not only content, but content coaching, which is really a category of one. And I'm going to be teaching people how to leverage their content in 90 days so that they have the same success. And I had to, like you said, I had to reapply my own skill set and get back into the game and I built a new website in three days. I fleshed out all of my programs, which I had already been teaching, but I had taught them in a much broader sense. I, I had all the content that I was teaching, but then I was also building a website and creating social media strategy and creating an email strategy and doing all this other stuff. And I said, I really need to shift it because this is where my, my need is for my audience. This is an underserved group and they need this. This is the one thing that they, if they invest in it, it's gonna make a huge difference in the outcome of their business. 
and this is where I need to be. And I shifted that within two months. And that's how I have moved into content coaching. It well, was frightening. It was very frightening. Was it easier or less frightening than the, the other shift? Absolutely not. <laughs> to me, it was exactly the same. It felt exactly the same. But because I had been through it, I could run through it, right? right? I knew what I was feeling. I knew the obstacles. I had already done it once. And I'm like, okay, you've done it once. You've got this. Run into it. Just, just go. Um, again, still pause, be strategic, figure out your stuff. But I was able to do that a lot faster. I was able to create everything a lot faster and, and talk to my potential client base a lot faster because I had already done a lot of the heavy work with building communities, being a thought leader on content. I've been dubbed America's digital content futurist by Forbes. So I have the credibility. So now it's how do I show new value to my prospects and clients who need it today to deal with things that are happening today? And that's how I really was able to shift and be able to lean into that. And a couple things stand out for me there is the market was telling you, hey, we're over here, we need help. And you chose to listen. And, and in a way that happened before because you were doing your side gigs. Why would you have started those side gigs if people weren't like, hey, could you help us? Exactly, <laughs> so, exactly. There's that place where if you're listening, there's often clues to what's the next best right move or what to lean into to expand. And everything's going to ebb and flow. Everything's got rhythm. It's like the tide moving in, the tide moving out. And, and there's cycles for everything. We look at the economy. We look at, of course, the great resignation led to this quick turnover in the fortune 500 companies. And so that shifted your market, like everything sort of affects everything, but your ability to be flexible and be open and pay attention and take that pause and move from a place of centeredness instead of panic. Yes. Allowed you to create the peace through taking the risk. Yes, yes. That yes, is absolutely, yeah. Now, I'm curious if you have any advice that you would give to your, the you, the before your sister had that conversation when you were working those 14 hour days, the boss was berating you, what would you tell her? What did she need to know to maybe have that aha moment on her own? You know, I look at it that in the moment was when I needed that. My sister showed up right when she should. She was the mentor in my story. My nemesis was the big bad Fortune 500 company and the long working hours, and I was the protagonist. It all worked. I don't know if I had been told something earlier, if I would have been receptive to, to the conversation, because again, I thought, well, this is, 
be grateful for what you have. That's what I was taught. Be grateful right. for what you have. Leverage what you have, use what you have and be grateful. So I honestly think that it happened exactly when it needed to. I had gotten a year under my belt of doing the side gig. I could see when my sister brought that up, I could see the potential. So I don't know if I would have been able to move sooner. I think it happened exactly when it needed to. But one thing I'm glad I did is that I immediately went into action. So if I ever feel stuck, if I ever feel panicked, if I ever feel like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed, I'm having anxiety, the first thing I do to break out of it is I take one action. And I don't care what it is, I just need to move the needle ever so slightly, just 5% in the direction that I wanna go to be able to get out of that inertia and to start moving towards whatever future possibility I'm envisioning. 5%. You get going, but you still have room to pivot. You have room to modify. It's not like, okay, I'm 100% in or I'm 50% in. That 5% rule, I love that 5% rule. Whatever you're doing, 5% more. It gives you just a little more edge, just a little more momentum, and it still gives you the opportunity to correct, course correct, modify, pivot if you need to. But taking yeah. that one action, absolutely. Well, and that's one thing that's a lot of people are like, oh, I have to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. And then they're thinking five, 10 steps ahead, but they have no idea right. what they're going to have at that point. Yeah. And so, you know, you're taking one action is that similar thing as what's the next best step I can take with what I have right now, because Absolutely. you cannot predict what that action is going to create. You can, you can make a guess but you don't know, well, once I do this, I used to do this in my photography career. I'm going to put all my artwork on for sale on my website, and then I'm going to have enough money to get out of debt because my mind is that I was five, 10 steps ahead of what would actually happen. But I put everything up and surprisingly nothing happened. <laughs> I say that sarcastically because... I didn't take the next step because my head was too far ahead. I was not dealing with one small action, 5% that I yeah. could take right now yeah. forward. So even if you're contemplating taking a risk, you know, it might be a really big risk, but like you said, you can set that foundation and do 5% towards it for a while before you actually have to pull the cord and let go of the other thing completely. Exactly. Exactly. It really does. And a bunch of small steps are so much more manageable than right. trying to leap. If I had a leap, uh, I, I might miss it. It might move. I might not have the right uh, resources in place, but that small action, that 5%, that what's the yeah. next best step that I can take right now with what I have. And I love that to be able to, again, move in the general direction of where you want to go. Yeah, because you might take three little steps and then some new possibility that's even better shows up. But if you do that big leap, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's always messy when you own a business. It's always messy. But when you, you take the big leap, you, you still have to come back and do all that stuff. So <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Five percent. Yep. Yep. I 
Love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your story with us. And you all remember, if you want to connect with Lisa, go to 3dogwrite.com. That's the number 3dogwrite.com. And she's down to just have a conversation, (laughs) help you out, get a little support and move forward with your next best step. So Lisa, thank you again for sharing everything with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this conversation. This is so critical for everyone. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And remember everybody, when you operate from who you truly are, you evolve humanity. We'll see you next time on Be The Wolf. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.